Yeah, the situation uh, overseas in Turkey and Syria continues to uh, develop. And, you know, we're, we're, we're getting to the point now where the odds of the miraculous recoveries um, become less and less likely. There's, there's, you know, I mean, I think we're well over 100 days, 100 hours um, since the earthquake happened. And uh, the window gets smaller and smaller. The death toll last I saw had now surpassed uh, 20,000, even past 21,000, I think. And sadly, as we've said, the only anticipation is it will continue to go up. However, as I say, rescuers are on the scene, a lot of them. There are massive numbers of crews there, um, tens of thousands. More than 120,000 emergency workers from 75 countries are now on the ground in Turkey. One organization, Save the Children, is providing hot meals and baby products to people sheltering in a sports stadium. Also among the support teams, the Israeli Defense Forces, among the most elite humanitarian responders in the world. That team has rescued at least a dozen people so far, including a seven-year-old girl. This is 100 years old. The girl's uncle giving rescuers coins as a token of appreciation, a touching moment given the historic political tensions between the Israelis and the Turks. So we have 120,000 uh, rescue personnel from 75 different countries on the ground working, and they are still making uh, incredible discoveries. People who survived more than 100 hours, not only under the rubble of the building that they were in when the earthquake happened, but in awful, awful conditions, bitter cold. We witnessed volunteers and workers painstakingly clearing rubble brick by brick, hoping for life but increasingly finding heartbreak. Yet still, despite the odds and difficult conditions, there have been incredible stories of survival. We have learned of a 10-day-old baby rescued after 90 hours underneath the rubble, taken into an ambulance, wrapped in a thermal blanket. His mother saved two. And there are a number of discoveries. A teenager was pulled out. I mean, there are people who are still being pulled out alive, but as we say, the tragedy continues to mount. A woman in Toronto... Uh, is uh, been devastated. She found seven members of her family have been killed in the earthquake. Um, Aya Hamoud, who came to Canada as a refugee in 2017, said her grandfather, his wife, her four cousins, all of them kids, and their mother died when the quake destroyed their apartment building in the Syrian city of Harem. So the eldest kid is 13 years old. Her name is Haya, and she's a very, very smart girl. She's special. Um, and she she did not deserve to be under those ruins, and also her siblings. Yeah, nobody deserved to be under those ruins. Um, and as you know, there's a lot of strong ties to Syria um, in in this part of the world. As we know that we've had uh, a number of refugees that have come here following the um, civil war in that part of the world, and uh, Syria is a particular area of concern due to a number of different reasons with what's happening there. And to talk more about that, we're joined now by Marwa Kobe, who is with the uh, Syrian Canadian Foundation. Marwa, thank you so, uh, for joining us again. I appreciate your time. Hi, Marwa, are you there? Yeah. Hang on, I don't, I don't know. If, do we have Marwa? Do you want to take a look there? Um, I'll put you back on hold. Um, sounds like Marwa's line might have some issues. Um, as I said, uh, the woman from Toronto at this point trying to just you know deal with the situation there, just to give you the latest um, on the situation in Turkey and Syria. Uh, as I said, the death toll has now ticked towards about 22,000, something like that, um, and it will continue to go up. But, you know, a lot of rescue crews on the ground. But a lot of the discussions on Turkey, not quite as much on Syria. And 
that's concerning. So let's see if we have Marwa now. Marwa, are you there? Yes, can you hear me? Oh, yeah, now we've got you loud and clear. Excellent. Okay. Okay. Thank you for having me. No, thank you so much for joining us. I appreciate your time. Listen, we'll get to... um, We'll get to the situation in Syria in just a minute, but first I wanted to ask you, you know, I mentioned earlier 120,000 rescue personnel from 75 different countries on the ground. Most of them are in Turkey, um, but no Canadians. We have a Canadian assessment team. Give us your take and what the community is saying about how the Canadian government is responding to this, because I know there's been some criticism. Yes, we. I did share, to be honest, my disappointment and uh, uh, several media interviews of, of that I've been conducting on a daily basis, urging the Canadian government to um, take further actions. Uh, we need a rescue team on the ground, uh, whether it, it's in, in the border um, of Turkey and inside Syria as well. I know that the government have announced uh, matching donations up to $10 million, but again, due to the disaster that's that's happening, we need substantial international support and we need the government to to do more and step up. Um, in terms of this, what is happening from other countries around the world, at least we know there are a number of countries that have offered all kinds of support, but it seems to me, and we're starting to hear more and more reporting, that a lot of that is going to Turkey. I saw a story yesterday saying the first UN relief mission arrived in Syria yesterday, uh, several days after the earthquake. It appears there's a uh, there's a discrepancy there and it's getting wider. That's true. I mean, to 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 kind of also uh, clarify about the UN aid that uh, finally entered uh, northwest Syria, uh, it's it's from the World Food Program. So this is just a routine and and on a weekly basis. Oh, it's not related to the earthquake. Interest. It's not related to the earthquake. No, that's what I'm trying to clarify to everybody. We still did not get any international international support inside Syria. Okay, that is related to the earthquake. In terms of earthquake specific relief, then it's even worse. Yes. Exactly. And that's why we're urging um, um, many organizations, uh, international support, we're urging people to donate for uh, the White Helmets, for Mulham team, the organizations that are on the ground really trying their absolute best to provide aid relief and, and still rescue the families under the rubble there. That's, that's to be honest, yeah. our only way and only support uh, because we, we're, we're getting <laughs> disappointments from, from different sides internationally, to be honest. Yeah, I, I, understandably, understandably. So just give us an update. What is the situation on the ground in Syria? Have you been in touch with people there? And, uh, you know, I know, I know the weather is an issue. Just tell us what's going on in Syria right now. Yes, well, with the, with the weather conditions, it's an ongoing aftershocks. We, we're in a race against time to save lives. Like on, on every by the second, uh, the the white helmets that are also known by the Syrian civil defense, they're trying their absolute best to still rescue families after 60, 70 hours under the rubble. Um, we still have hope, but to be realistic, usually any earthquake, any natural disaster, the first 24 to 48 hours are, are very critical for emergency response. So now after passing 100 hours, we, we don't know if, if these families are still alive. All they, we know is we're trying our absolute best. They're trying with very limited resources and very limited equipment to still rescue and save thousands of families uh, under the rubble. Is there hope that there will be more international assistance? It's just a matter of time. Or is there Are there plans to see an increased presence? 
Well, to be honest, in terms of Syria, it is a bit sensitive because of the political sure, yeah. um, situation there. So for the ones, for the, for the honest who are not aware, um, Syria has been an, an ongoing crisis for the past 12 years. And the reason is that um, the government is basically uh, against their own people. They, they're the reason why we have millions of Syrian families forcibly displaced. We have 6.8 who are um, internally displaced inside Syria. And then, um, as everybody knows, the Syrian refugee crisis happened in 2015 and then it became resulted as one of the largest refugee crises around the world. So the own government, the government is killing their own people. They're, they're neglecting them. They're, they're displacing them. So we don't have any expectation that they're going to support them with aid work. And the reason why Turkey is getting international support, almost 70 to 75 countries now are supporting Turkey internationally and, and Syria isn't is because the Syrian government did not even declare a state of emergency. They did not request international support because they still want to control the aid. They want everything to go through Damascus, which is the capital city. They, the government wants to receive the aids and then distribute it to the ones they think that are in need. And we have seen videos and people on the ground telling us that these whatever aid that they're getting through Damascus and through the government are not reaching the people. The Syrian government is stealing the aid. They're, they're reselling it and neglecting their own people. So the situation is really devastating for Northwest because, again, they have no support from their own government. They don't have support internationally. The only support they have are organizations that are on the ground locally who are really uh, lifting heavy um, weights in terms of all they're doing is uh, and, and, and operating are by just donations from civil people and communities here in Canada and internationally as well. Yeah, that's just tragic. Um, and we've talked about some of the ties between our country and our province uh, and Syria. Uh, tell us about the Syrian community. Uh, you know, we heard the horrible story in Toronto where a woman found out several members of her family had lost their lives. I imagine you're hearing more and more reports like that. Yes, it's it's really devastating, especially that we have uh, almost over 50 some refugees who came yeah, to Canada yeah. back in 2015, 2016, and majority have family back home, family friends. Many of them still don't know any news and nothing about their family, if they're even alive or not. Uh, we're trying our best to connect with organizations that are in touch on the ground, whether it's in Gaziantep, which is close to the Syrian border, and inside Syria, which is the northwest. And we still have hope. We're still, like... Um, uh, we, we need to give them the emotional support that they need. We're trying our best to share awareness, to advocate uh, for Syrians inside Syria and, and really uh, promote the organizations on the ground, um, which is the White Helmets and the uh, Mulham team. Marwa, thank you so much for joining us. We'll continue to check in as this goes along, but uh, thank you so much for your time today. I appreciate it. Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance <laughs> recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.